combat time. Combat Time, where three friends talk about everything and anything Mortal Kombat related. I am one of your hosts, Jay, and today I am joined by Yasin. You just got caged. <laughs> and Josh. Shit, I don't have a good follow-up to that. Hey, what up, what up? What up, what up? <laughs> and um, like Yasin alluded to today, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Mortal Kombat Cage Match, the new animated movie from Warner Brothers that released not too terribly long ago, starring, of course, the greatest Mortal Kombat character of all time, in my humble opinion, <laughs> Johnny Cage. <laughs> Greatly disagree with that. But before we actually get into a Cage Match, which, you know, spoilers, I did like um, a decent bit. How have you guys been doing so far? I've been good. Been busy. I usually go first. Yeah. Oh, hey, man. No, I'm saying I usually go first. You go first. You go first. No, 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 no. I said I usually end up going first because I speak the fastest. You go first. Can one of you just go? Just one (laughs) of you. Go, you see. Go, you see. Go. Go, you see. Go. That's nice. Go, go, ninja. Go, ninja. Go. Um. No, I've been. I've been good. It's just you know, I've been. Uh, I know you know previous episode was all about mk1 but uh i've been consumed with spider-man 2 as a recording this has been out for like a little over a week now and i'm obsessed with this game man it's ridiculous like yesterday was the first time i played mk1 since spider-man came out and man i am already rusty (laughs) damn well, you might be rusty because of them fucking nerf patches going on which you know i guess we might bring up (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Those are worth talking about. Um, and like you know, as of today's date of recording, but it's been out for about roughly a week now. MK One released a pretty big patch. Uh, it's it was definitely what they call like a balance patch, where they nerfed a lot of things and rebalanced certain characters in the game. Um, there's a bit of a long story to it, but you know, basically. You know, through one of the bigger MK tournaments called um, East Coast Throwdown, which is usually, which is one of the first like major tournaments with Mortal Kombat in it, or Mortal Kombat 1 specifically. Mm-hmm. The assessment after it was is that Mortal Kombat 1 is really becoming less about, you know, your character and your cameo and more about Cyrax and friends. That's usually what it's been kind of being called as. So. Long story short, they did a lot of nerfs to a lot of the cameos specifically. Uh, probably the one to talk about is, of course, Cyrax, because he is unquestionably the best cameo in the, in the entire game. And they basically just nerfed his recharge time on his cameo meter, and they also did a, a nerf, a big nerf across the board on cameos if you are happen to be good enough to actually make a combo where you use your cameo twice in one combo as the extender. Uh, they did a damage scaling nerf, so that way if you use your um, a cameo two times in one combo, then you receive a cooldown penalty to your recharge meter. 
in Mortal Kombat 1. There is a lot more like little changes and nerfs they've done and some bug fixes to it, but that's nothing uncommon with a lot of patches of this caliber, but it is definitely significant because this will affect the tournament scene in MK1. And it definitely shows that, you know, at least in my humble, in my humble opinion, that Mortal Kombat 1 should have uh, been sitting in the cooker for polish for at least another two months before release because they already had really? a infinite, yeah, they already had an infinite that you could do with Sindel, and this and this patch they fixed that. So it was either it was either they fixed that or Sindel was going to be banned from tournament play because you couldn't like there was an infinite with her that you could do that someone mm-hmm. was able to find. So they also fixed a lot of like couple of quality of life changes that I think is worth mentioning. You can now pin your moves in training mode, which previous Mortal Kombat's have been able to do. Yeah, thank God for that. So if you're trying to practice a certain combo or a certain string, now you can pin that string to the oh, training window really? while you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. You I can mean do that's that been a feature since X, but no, I know, just, but I didn't know. For some, it, I, I didn't realize they put it. Yeah, in the game now they finally awesome. patched it in, and that and that's where Jay is kind of. I think he's right because, like, that's a no duh feature that, like, why was it not included? Mm-hmm. And I think it was just they just didn't have time to get it, and now they did. Yeah, so. it's it's de- like it's a quality of life update, and a couple of like other small ones that I think matter is that they increase the runtime in invasions, which invasions is boring as crap anyway. But mm-hmm. you know, now you can run through it faster now. Yay! And don't help me also, on the fucking switch. Yeah, don't every help time me on the fucking switch. switch. A fucking you know ambush match comes up and I gotta like go fucking make coffee because it takes a fucking minute to load. The- anyway, go ahead, dude. <laughs> dude, this is this is a, a little bit of a side, but like I uh, was playing, uh, took my switch over to my brother's place to play, and hadn't played Smash Brothers in a very 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 long time, which I don't. I'm not the you, biggest you Smash see? player I- anyway. I'm not stalking you, but uh, I brought up, it was YouTube I brought up on my Switch uh, last night uh, so I could study Guy Fieri. We won't, you know, we'll leave that open-ended as to why I was doing that. But I did see, I did see, I'm seeing you. You were online playing Smash. I'm like, why yeah, you? I t- <laughs> we were playing and I saw. We do? I, I, yeah, I saw JBB. I have mine set to invisible because I don't like people knowing what the fuck I'm doing. No, I think, I think friends can see. Oh, shit, man. Maybe. I did see you, your, anyway. your name pop up on and it said YouTube. You see me, I see you. Which anyway, I, go ahead. I always find hilarious that you use YouTube on the Switch. I've never thought about that. Well, once I, I used it because my uh, TV it's it's faster to just open. Well, it's not faster, but bef- bef- I was a tinfoil hat and didn't connect my TV to the internet for a long time because Obama watches me. Um, so I wanted to make sure <laughs> that <laughs> you know. But I had the switch. <laughs> that fool uh, hasn't been in office for seven years. He's still the president, dude. That fool, um, that fool was wasn't even in office when the switch came out. That's true. But yeah, also true, because yeah. I've noticed there are more ads on the TV app, at least with a uh, Vizio TV, and also Vizio has just a horrible menu, and it takes for fucking ever to get to YouTube. Whereas Switch, I can just bring up YouTube right there. Roku TV is good. I've started to use. YouTube and Roku. But anyway, I'm not stomping on your story. Go. I'm going to finish. I'm not smashing on your story. Uh, go ahead. Uh, but yeah, uh, we're loading up uh, Smash Brothers. And, and holy crap, like the load times in that game are ridiculous. Like, I don't know if it's because I haven't played it in a long time or something. But like, is, is it like an old car that needs to be warmed up? Because 
it took mm. a couple minutes just to get to the loading screen of the next match. Like, what the? Oh, hell? what? It takes huh. a while, man. That's weird. Is it like a car that warms up, or did you just forget how long the loading took? Maybe I first forgot how long the loading times are, but that's a terrible, like, that's terrible, dude. I, I cause like, other games like, you know, Pokemon or whatever, like, they have load times, but they're not that long. It's wild. Hmm. Weird. Wild yeah. and weird. Anyway. But yeah, they're, about? um, yeah, what we were talking Mortal about. Mortal Kombat like, uh, 1, just... apparently. You know, we totally skipped by my How You Do Do because I brought up Mortal Kombat 1. Oh, yeah, Josh, uh, how do you It's do? okay. No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'm not hurt. No, just fucking keep going. No one cares anyway, really, about How Do You Do. <laughs> oh, no, I don't, oh, I don't no. think. I don't think. No, I, I care. Actually, Josh, I do have a big How Do You Do. I'm in a big fucking life uh, fucking shift, man. I sold a house. Yeah, you sold a house. That's a big, yeah. yeah, That's a big life change, man. That's like that's kind of crazy. So now, Josh, you can like buy me all the things because I know you buy all the things. Fuck you, man. Yeah, yeah. See, that's yeah. That that's the date. Don't win the lottery. You keep that shit to yourself. Oh, anyway, I won the lottery. (laughs) Let's go. I never told you, I fool. Hey, Josh. Maybe you can like maybe. Josh, maybe you can buy me all the Johnny Cage skins because they cost so fucking much in that damn store. Well, I already got them. I already got them all for free just by sheer luck. I don't know how. You didn't get the Van Damme skin though. I know you didn't. No, I didn't. That's the only one. I didn't get the Van Damme skin. Mm -hmm. But now, like, I did at least want to like at least you know at least slightly brush over some of these big huge patch updates. I went over the major ones just now, but they did a lot of like you know small bug fix and bug like in bug fix changes like uh you seen in one previous episode that we did on mk1 you brought up the idea that when you that when you summon a cameo and you press an attack button at the same time the game will ignore one of them that was unintentional they did fix that so okay. that patch was actually yeah so that patch was done we talked about the gravity issue um where player one had an advantage over player two and in, um, in our previous episode that has since been patched but that was like one of those emergency patches because there's no way you could have had an like an MK1 tournament where someone who's player one has that advantage that that wasn't going to fly so that had to be fixed too and also um, they scaled down the damage um, of Baraka specifically and also uh, decreased his walk speed but that was a long time coming because Baraka was considered to be a little on the OP side because of no that shit. because of his yeah because of his strings but I haven't know, bothered was... training with him because I don't need to I just hit <laughs> yeah. A <laughs> yeah yeah you just hit a that's all you do you just hit like you hit one one just forward one one and then just like just go into a string but the big nerf very much predominantly was a lot of the cameos and it just and it's weird because it's kind of divided the uh the mortal Kombat fighting community a little bit because you've got some people saying that they kind of wish that instead of nerfing all the cameos that they would just buff them to be as good as cyrax but to me, it makes sense that they nerf them because it's much easier to nerf them mm-hmm. than buff them because you would have had to do increased damage scaling, but in very specific instances. And then you also would have had to um, probably added some hitbox animations to where certain cameo moves hit multiple times than before in order to effectively buff them. To be as good as Cyrax was like nerfing them, the most they did is just damage scaling and then just longer cooldown time. Not to mention, like, they don't have to, if they buffed them instead, they'd have to buff like at least six characters versus just nerfing yeah. a few of them. Yeah, so all in all, I'm pretty in favor of this balance patch, but it does bring up just, you know, at least in my opinion, just the proof that if that 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 Netherrealm should have waited longer before they released this game. Well, once again, 
I think they had a, a oil slicked revolver with the hammer back pressed to their head by WB. Yeah, that's very yeah, that's very possible. Um, uh, you know, but one character that I'm surprised did not get <laughs> any changes whatsoever is Johnny Cage. Because yes. in MK1, Johnny Cage is pretty top tier. He's not the best character, but he's in like the top five from at least my assessment based on his speed, his pressure, and the combo damage potential that he has. But they didn't change a single thing about him, and I play him, so I can kind of tell like combo too. Infinite, I don't think really? he does. He has a fifty percent, actually, hundred percent combo. I saw a YouTube vid on it. What do you have to do to get that combo though? Because I haven't seen this yet. Because I want to know what the situation is. If it, if it, if that one hundred percent combo uses Cyrax, then that combo is no longer valid. Because I guarantee you, if if no. it uses Cyrax, they they nerfed him. Enough I, I don't. Do that. It wasn't a one hundred percent combo, but for me, but like this dude did like this like three four piece where he does that backflip kick and then bumps you up and then. Does the he does like a combo where he like turns around and hits you with both his elbows backwards and then he hate, does a flip, that back shit. flip or whatever? Yeah, he just yeah, kept doing yeah. that like three four hit combo over and over and over and I couldn't get away from it. Damn, huh? There's probably a cameo assist that allows him to reset it to where you can do it again. But well, those it's tricky are... too because it's a mix up because the elbow follows either overhead flip or yeah. a jab with his leg and you know it's kind of hard. It's not telegraphed so you could easily fall into an endless string with that. Uh, but it's not, well, at least on paper, that's not an endless string. I do that combo a lot, and that yeah, combo, you, <laughs> you, can do, you can do it twice if you want the full three or four hits, but when you go for it a third time, it'll allow you to get at most two hits, and then, you know, and then the opponent's going to drop, and then your combo's going to drop. The most you can do that I've done with Johnny is I can end it with a shadow kick, but if I do it without using any resources, like no summon, no meter, I usually get about roughly 250, like basically 25% damage out of that combo if I do it like that. But to, to push it into, like, what you seen like 50% level or, or like a hundred percent level, you got to be using like a cameo. Um, you, you got to be like using your fatal blow probably in order to get that level of damage. Yeah, yeah. Johnny, at least, at least, at least from my, from my experience, you do. I mean, this is before the patch. I don't remember, but dude, yeah, like that, I, I, that annoyed the crap out of me to the point where I almost rage quit. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Well, I, I like, like, yeah, I bet. And they've done a lot of pat, like they've actually, they actually did a lo- enough damage scaling. Pretty much, I think, like, the biggest patch uh, information from it is not even so much Cyrax. It's just, the like, a like a basic across-the-board damage scaling nerf. Like, Baraka has it. Raiden has it. Kung Lao has it. Scorpion got a little bit of a nerf for some of his damage as well. Reptile actually got his damage increased, but Reptile is not a threat right now, man. I've been playing that dude. And I like him, but man, he's slow. <laughs> like he's just he's stiff and slow, at least in my opinion right now. I just I haven't I haven't found my groove with like groove with him yet. Because I've been training mostly like with Johnny Cage and General Shao. But I am again surprised that Johnny Cage did not get any sort of nerf. I feel like if they do another balance patch in the future, a nerf for him is coming. I just I can't unsee it because he went up in tier rank. Because of this balance patch, and now I think you're going to start seeing a lot of cage players um, on the tournament scene as a result oh, well, of it. I don't know what cameo I, they're going to use, but I, I might be one of them. Uh, maybe I don't know if it, uh, unless we break this thing, if we we can't overlap our mains. You, you, me, and you seen because like I was initially interested in him when I played him in story mode, just because like I mean Jay, you know this pleasure 
uh, for a long time. That's the shadow kick is very satisfying to do when it connects. Um, mm-hmm. And I like the idea of the height meter. I, I wouldn't mind playing with that, but uh, we'll see. Because uh, Scorpion, uh, they also nerfed, but very, very subtly. Like he didn't have as much. I don't know why they bother nerfing him because he wasn't even a top tier character. He's a basic character, and I'm not clear on what they did. Uh, I, I haven't looked it up. I should have looked it up for this episode. But he did receive like an unintentional buff too. Uh, you seen? I think I told you about this. Maybe it was Jay. Is uh, if you if you're Scorpion now, and if you uh can't if you uh push somebody out of a throw if they're trying to do a grab on you, yeah. It, it disables their ability to uh, keep grabbing you for a small duration during the match. Mm. That sounds like a bug, uh, honestly. I don't know. I haven't got to test it out because the Switch update is uh, live as of yesterday of this recording. And right. I haven't played it yesterday. Uh, I'm not like you. I don't have another game. I haven't played F-Zero 99 in forever now. I'm all about Mortal Kombat. I haven't played... I still haven't bought Tears of the Kingdom. I might... I might buy it now. Now that I think Mortal Kombat One might be plateauing off, unless they release the next season. Well, I would say the next season of Invasions, but yeah, Invasions. This is like an extension of a review. Is their thoughts? Uh, MK One is their thoughts settled? Invasions fucking sucks. I fucking hate Invasions. It could be good. I hope they do something to fix it. But yeah, I haven't tried out the new patch yet. Maybe tonight. Maybe after we're done recording. But uh, yeah, who knows? I might be a Johnny player, Jay. You never know. He's he is the best character now in the game. Out of curiosity, have you two, if you haven't, um, if you have it, Josh, you should try it just for the fun frustration of it. So in in Invasions, they added a very temporary, mm-hmm. like, sort of secret boss battle. You can Titan fight. Baraka or Insatiable Yeah, Titan Baraka. Yeah, dude, I fought him and beat him the other night. That thing is effing ridiculous because you don't fight him one time. You fight him four times in a row. <laughs> and two times he's giant. And Like literally he's just, a giant? Well, now the first time you fight him, it's like 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 the first time you fight him, he's like a normal Baraka with like a skin, it, nothing crazy. I mean, it'll be a little hard, but it's nothing you can't beat. Uh, and then he, and then you get your health refilled, and he grows into his Titan form, and it's ridiculous because you can't trip him. He's got super armor, so random hits that you throw just won't affect him at all. I won't even damage him. And his damage is souped up, and he has a whole new move set. Like good luck. Oh, like okay. Like the like this is a battle where you have to use invasion, and in, you have to use your talismans and in invasion. Oh shit! Well, we all been dude. ignoring them and just putting everything in strength. So whoops. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, there is like a like in the boss area, there is a forge area where I think you can get like a talisman that is very much makes the battle stupid easy. You basically use the talisman and you summon an army of spears and little barakas that attack for you that just constantly what? swarm the screen. This that's yeah, cool. dude. It, it, like it's funny, but Baraka can do the same thing to you and he does. So it was comical because at one point in the fight, I reached the final form of Baraka where he does this survival mode where he stands there. You can't damage him. And he summons a whole bunch of spears and little Barakas to come after you. Oh, it's just like the version of jumping over the little energy balls only with Barakas this time. Yeah, yeah. But I... But but you have a talisman that does the same thing against him. So both of them were active at the same time. So I didn't know what the hell was going on. Just spears are flying everywhere in the sky. There's little Barakas running all over the place. The only thing I can do is just jump. I can just jump and move around. That's all I can do. And then 
you know, when you actually read Baraka's quote-unquote final form, he just has, like, souped-up health, and he's a little bit harder to beat, and, of course, he has super armor, and you have to kind of deal with that. But, really, once you beat him, you just get a new skin out of it. It's a very specific Baraka skin, but it's cool. But right now, I think that's going Is on the, an invasion. the one that he looks like with the horns and all that that was in story yeah. mode? I don't care yeah. for it that much. But I, I wouldn't mind beating it, because, like, honestly, Jay, that sounds refreshing, because uh, evasions mode... It's too easy. There's no difficulty setting on it. Because I was like, can I make it hard so at least there's a challenge? Because, like, you know, obviously we're cheating the system by putting everything in strength. But that shows how fucking broken the mode is. You can just ignore the whole ecosystem they put in there and just, you know, power up, roid up. But if there's an actual character that's hard to fight, I might look forward to trying that. Can you skip straight to him or or do you have to beat the other... uh, plateaus or whatever first i think like you can you should be able to skip straight to him because i was able to like you'll like if you go into invasion his you'll see like a little area right below like scorpion like the scorpion boss one which is the final boss in invasion you can just go to it and it's not like you have to run anywhere you go into that like little zone and the baraka boss battle is directly on the right you have a forge directly in front of you if you want to use it and you have a little survival mode to get the talisman you actually need to make that battle at least somewhat easy because dude you're not going to be able to beat that without the talisman it's just it's too much because because when baraka is a titan his health bar is too big and he will super armor all of your moves, and he has a whole new move set that does hyper damage on you. Like, if he does one of his combo strings on you, you're just going to die flat out. Wow. Like, you won't survive it. And some of his moves are unblockable. You can't block them. So, like, you have to use this talisman, because the talisman actually, like, damages him and stuns and like and stuns him, so that way you actually have some breathing room. Like, it's Maybe just it's ridiculous. I should have put all my stats in defense, then, sounds like. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, like either way, but it, but if they do stuff like that with Invasion, I feel like it can be inherently more interesting, which is why I still think Invasion is better than the Crypt, because it has more potential than the Crypt does. This could be another episode for a full review, but I do disagree with that completely, Jay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, crypt, yeah, the, like, the, I'm sure. Invasions I'm sure. could be fun, because I liked the idea of it when I saw the trailer, but it's just, it's, it's doubly unfun to play on Switch because of the load times, but I don't know, I just... It's not, it's boring, man. It's not challenging, except this part, I guess. It's yeah. slow moving, like, maybe not now because of the patch, but uh, there needs to be more variety and more modes. I want the alternate mode not to be fighting. I want it to be something outside the gameplay loop of fighting, which is what the Crypt was in 11. But that'll be another episode. I don't want to get all in the weeds. Yeah, blah, blah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and with that, you know, that's at least like, you know, some crazy decent Mortal Kombat 1 news that has just dropped. But, you know, now that we've talked about that, we should talk about, you know, the actual name of this episode, which is Cage Match, which is the movie that we watched. Should Um, we? Yeah, we should. We absolutely should, because this movie's absolutely worth talking about, because it's about my boy, man. It's about my dude, you know? I just want to talk about it less. Yeah. On principle, it'd be worth talking about, or not worth talking about, because it's Johnny. But yeah, I'll... Okay, it's a good. I'll admit, it's a good movie. Yeah, like, like, so I think collectively, I think collectively, just for like first impressions of the movie, since all three of us have seen it, um, I think we all universally agree it's not better than Snowblind. Snowblind is still like you know top tier. That is the bar to Mm -hmm. to break, but. It is better than the other two, which is Battle for the Realms and Scorpion's Revenge, which were the first two animated movies from WB. I'm a little iffy. It's definitely better than Battle for the Realms because that's the bottom of the barrel. 
Scorpion's Revenge. I think I like it better than Scorpion's Revenge, but I think Scorpion's Revenge is ostens- uh, technically a better movie, if that makes sense. Is it because it has more to it? Yeah, I yeah, I guess that's. But does it. <laughs> does it does the more that it puts into it, does it do it well, or does the fact that Cage Match has a simple focus where it's focused on a specific style and mo- mood and everything like that and story beat? That it does it better because it has less to do. Uh, well, I mean, you can do simple is better, but Snowblind was simple and better, kind of. I mean, it did eventually have a giant scale of Chronicles Hourglass and whatnot, but it was at the outset and the selling point on the trailer, it was a simple story. It was just, you know, a close collection of characters, alternate universe telling. And here it's very simple. It's just Johnny Cage undercovers the secret uh, satanic cult inside of Hollywood, which everyone, you know, jokes about, speaking of tinfoil hat. But, and this isn't to its detriment, I guess. It's so breezy. It's an hour and 19 minutes. It yeah. just feels like maybe there could have been more. I don't know. Yeah, like, uh, there, like, there probably could have been more, but personally, I really can safely say I love the format that WB is doing with this. Like, because like, they tried... You know, the whole continuous storyline with one style with Battle for the Realms and Scorpion's Revenge. And I thought it was okay, but when they but when they did Snowblind as sort of like these more what-if character pieces with like a couple of MK characters, but not necessarily all of them in these big like, and you know, what-if kind of story scenarios. And not the main ones. These are far better. Um, and I feel like that if they keep doing those then I just don't see any reason why people would want to um, like basically want to watch them. I don't know how long they can continue it because a lot of these characters um, or a lot of these characters in these movies have some main character status. Like Snowblind is a, is a Kenshi centric movie, but it is also just as much a sub-zero centric movie. Who's a, you know, who's an original character, but like, you know, then you have Johnny Cage cage match, which of course is Johnny, you know, is Johnny Cage centric. So, and you want to have the heroes, so the next one I think they could do, they could potentially do like a Raiden one or a Sonya one, which if they did mm. a Sonya one, I just don't see why that wouldn't be Special Forces. I don't forces, see them doing a Sonya but... one because everyone's sick of Special Forces shit. That's why they're not in MK1. Yeah, yeah. Raiden could that. be a good one, but no offense, Justine, I don't, because I know you're you're liking Raiden in MK1 at least. I don't give it, I don't want to see a Raiden story. Nah. Well, because they wouldn't do, they wouldn't do this Raiden from MK1. They would do like the the, or would they? Or would they? Maybe they would. I don't know. To keep Maybe. in brand. Because like the Ashra, not to get ahead of ourselves, Ashra's in this movie. Design-wise, she definitely is old-school Ashra. Mm-hmm. And we have yet to play Deception, and I don't remember much of her. But character-wise, she seems pretty close to MK1 Ashra. To the point, yeah. like, I even thought it was the same voice actress, which it's not. You pointed out it's Kelly Hu, who <laughs> incidentally voiced Lee May and Madame Bo. In MK1, but not Ashra. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they could do a, a new, you know, innocent Raiden. But I feel like the fact... Well, I don't know. They showed the Raiden, the, the old school Raiden for this movie very briefly. Very briefly and only once. I remember we were all like, what the fuck? And then he didn't come back. Yeah, I don't know. They could they could keep going. I will say, like, one of those characters that uh, Neo always talks about, like, was it Tavar? No, what was it? Taven and Dagon? Yeah, when they st- when they do a Tavon Taven and da- say it again, Taven and Dagon. I'm just going yeah. from memory. Yeah, if they if they end up doing those movies, that's when you know that they've hit the bottom of the barrel. 
Also, small aside, uh, you know, so I don't sound Sorry, like Neil. we're a, a bad Mortal Kombat. Sorry, Neil. Jay, you asked me last episode what is uh, Reptile's race called, and I said, I don't know. Even though they fucking say it in the story mode, it, I just had a brain fart. It's Zatarans. Zatarans. Zatarans? Okay. Yeah. I just want to establish, we are good Mortal Kombat fans. We know our shit, but brain farts happen. Um, yeah, brain farts do happen. I'd want to see... Fuck, yeah. Hey, there you go. Reptile. Let's do Reptile uh, Legends I Dude... Dude, I've been saying that for the longest. Reptile has enough of an interesting backstory. You could make a whole movie about like how he came to be. Because you could do, whole... you could do the old reptile, the old goodest boy reptile, or the new reptile, uh, the new you the know boy band reptile, the boy band yeah, reptile. Boy band Either reptile. one. Either yeah. one is interesting. My Chemical Romance reptiles. I like yes. Them. <laughs> well, he's yeah. got his hair hood. He's where he wears a hood, but you know, yeah, he could be in the band. There's always one dude in the band with a hood. Um, yeah, there always is. Yeah, yeah, there always is. But well, actually, uh, they did they did release a model capture that shows his hair. Guess what? It's pretty. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. It. Um, but yeah, but I, I like I do I like I do. Josh, I can kind of see why. I mean, I'm still kind of remembering Scorpion's Revenge a little bit. I can kind of see why, at least from you know, like a story perspective, how it could be better than Cage Match because Cage Match is a much simpler kind of by the books kind of story. But then again, with an hour and 19 minutes, I feel like it kind of has to be. But I give Cage Match a much higher elevation because, you know, one thing that I personally love about this movie and which is kind of the point of it is that they did this entire movie with an 80s theme and boy do you see that 80s theme in this movie they really went all out from you know from the color palette to some of the to some of the fashion choices to some of the music to even some of the the way the action is choreographed in this movie Hmm. even feels very 80s like they kind of car chase i feel like yeah yeah that car chase scene in that movie i thought was a good example of it the entire thing just felt like a big huge like Almost 80s homage, you know, and I just kind of love it. And you know like what? I, I, that could be a red flag because that is an annoying thing in, in, in popular media. Like, that's why I didn't think I'd like Stranger... Th- I haven't seen season four. Stranger Things season one, when you when I was living in UJ and we watched it, I'm like, I was about to discount it because it's just so masturbatory over the 80s. And people forget that there's more to the 80s than just fucking E.T. and Rocky and, and hair metal. Vaporwave. Don't forget, you know. And vapor, I love vaporwave. Um, but uh, you know, people forget that uh, No Country for Old Men, Brokeback Mountain are both movies that take place in the eighties. There's not a single fucking trendy eighties song in there. You know, other shit happened in the eighties. They're good movies. You should see them. Um, they are good movies. Uh, yeah, Stranger Things. I was like, oh my god, they're jacking off over the eighties. Pardon my French, but it ended up the story was good. I got involved in it. I don't know about <laughs> season three and uh, season four, but. Uh, but I do, I do love it here because it's it just feels appropriate. And also, yeah, I'll I'll give you this, Jay. Like the art style, art style in Snowblind too. Love that they departed from the the first two movies' art style with the black knuckles and all that. Like I actually like the art style now. It was a little distracting here because everyone had neon highlights depending on what scene they were in. That was just drawn on, but you know it makes sense. Eighties mm-hmm. leotards, big hair, workout videos. Yeah, and like um. <laughs> And one thing I kind of just want to mention, just kind of just to kind of like, you know, start this dive into it. Like, uh, I kind of want your guys' opinions um, on what you liked about the, you know, about the movie compared to others. We kind of went over that a little bit, uh, a little bit of that. But also then later on, we'll talk about things that we didn't like because I definitely have things about it that I didn't like. But I definitely want to go through 
at least first off, this cast list. Because this cast list, is, in my opinion, is significant for a couple of reasons. One of which is that, of course, Johnny Cage is voiced by, you know, Joe, Mc- mm-hmm. uh, Joe McHale. Um, he voices Johnny. And um, he I think he's been voicing Johnny ever since Mortal Kombat 9. I'm pretty sure of that. Wait, he voices uh, he, him no, in the games? No, he wasn't in the games. He's only in the movies. Yeah. I thought, like, did, didn't he voice him in Mortal Kombat 10, though? Isn't that his voice, Joe McHale? I'll look oh. it up right now, but I don't mm-hmm. think so, no. I'm, There's a very distinct like voice in the games, and it's not Joe McHale. Like, I, like nine, I could understand if it's not him, but I thought Joe McHale voiced him in ten no, and eleven. Like, nope, I'm looking it up. He he did not. Nope. He he actually he's in uh, huh, Fortnite chapter three. He voices the scientist. That's mm-hmm. weird. But yeah, no game credits uh, for Mortal Kombat. Okay, so obviously that's a different voice actor. But he but has been he, since the beginning. Uh, Scorpion's Revenge, and this yeah, is his so, moment to shine. Yeah. Yeah, this is his moment to shine. Okay. But Joe McHale does do a good job as Johnny Cage. Like, he obviously, because it's Johnny Cage, he has the most range. Like, he actually narrates half the damn movie, so he's obviously the star of this. Also, 80s trope, like Wonder Years, yep. have you, you know? Yeah. Record scratch, and here's how I ended up here, you know? Yep. Like, and of course, Mortal Kombat cage match has, I will say, this is the greatest of all time. It's the GOAT. It's that intro. That intro made me smile so much. I forgot because I they use. Like it's the knee, it's the neon colors with oh, like with the sunset, that. and then they bring the Mortal Kombat logo, then cage match. It's like the most Miami Vice thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I love that's it. on the cover too. That make a great poster. Yeah, yeah, that yeah that that was I was like okay okay movie like you've sold me <laughs> this is pretty great, but we also have I'm a um, survivor. <laughs> that song. Is that an original have, song? I'm sorry to I'm talk about you, Jay. Is that an original song? I'm a survivor. I'm, wait, are you talking about the Beyonce song? No. What the fuck? The no, movie. it's a song that plays in the trailer and at the end of the movie when he's kicking ass. I I don't think any of those songs, like, they kind of mock the, like, songs that are familiar, but I don't think any song in there is, like, a famous song, because obviously WB would have to, like, pay Hold for the licensing I'm, for I'm that, sure it's probably an original song. Did. It doesn't take yeah, long I for bet, some... I, Somebody I bet it's an original song. Yeah, they had both of them. Yeah, they had. I think they had an original song. I don't know. Were there two songs? Yeah, there was two songs. Anyway. I think. Unless it was just the anyway, same song in different parts. I don't know. It doesn't look like it's on the details in IMDb, and I'm not going to derail to go look it up for too long. I don't think yeah. it's on the info, but it's probably a new song. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the IDD page now. It doesn't show uh, that info. Mm. It's very bare bones. But also in this, which is, you know, like, obviously the trailer kind of revealed this, but we also have Jennifer Grey mm-hmm. as herself, aka, and then also... Jennifer sp- Garner. Yeah, I do yeah. too, but not, it's Jennifer Grey. But Jennifer Grey in this movie. Surprised yeah, me because of what you were about to say. She has dual roles. Yeah, she has dual roles, but and and I don't know. I don't. I really want to. I, I don't want to call this a spoiler because I don't think she's in any other game other than mythologies. But she also plays herself and Serena, like the cameo from MK One Serena, the Serena from Sub Zero Mythologies, yeah. which you've seen got tortured by. Yeah. So that's well, it's technically yeah, that's not Serena. two roles. It's just the big secret is Jennifer Grey all this time was actually a demon from Nether Realm named Serena. Yeah, which is hilarious. Yeah, and of course, because it's Jennifer Grey in the '80s, she's she's supposed to be like a thirty twenty something, but Jennifer Grey is in her fifties, and God bless her, but she sounds like she's in her fifties in that movie, which is my yeah, one well, negative of it. So. Yeah, honestly, but, I've only seen one Jennifer Grey movie, and we all know what it was. Not Dirty Dancing. It was big, 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 big Ferris Bueller's Big Day Off. 
Um, yeah. And I can't hear her. I can't hear that Jennifer Grey in it, but still. Honestly, I, I mean, I, I didn't see, I didn't see uh, Ferris Bueller until I think the pandemic. So, so, so I knew her. Ferris from Bueller is a wonderful Anthony movie, though. For some reason, weird. I mean, everyone that, that was her biggest role. I think famously she didn't get along with Patrick Swayze or something like that. I think they really. Had, yeah, I think they had heat, not the good kind of heat, and on those set. What'd you think of Ferris Bueller? You just kind of okay, like in it, it. or did you like it? Really? Yeah. I was expecting you to kind of be like with Big Lebowski, same thing. Like, ah, why does everyone like it that much? Okay, you like. I it. was good. in the beginning, but but I think just because I could see where so many things were influenced by this, I was like, oh, this is it's actually a pretty good movie, and it, it's, it's, yeah. it just reminded me of a simpler, the simpler movies, you know, back in the day. Oh. Where and also like, everyone's fantasy to you know fuck school have the best day off ever you know it's a it's yeah. a movie for a generation. Breakfast Club still sucks though. There uh, was kind of a disconnect because like the neighborhood and the, the stuff that he lived in is like I I couldn't get away with half the shit that he did. Right. I mean, I it's not, it's not maybe he was in. it's it's the squeaky Hollywood you know movie where you know and he's the hero. He's gonna get away with shit like that. It's kind of oh, like yeah, also. Yeah. Kevin, we're talking about a lot of John Hughes. Kevin McAllister's house in Home Alone. The meme, what the fuck does his dad do? Um, he is dealing some drugs or something. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I was waiting also, for Jay to like, jump on me when I said Breakfast Club sucks, but he remained silent there. Well, I remain silent begrudgingly, Josh. You're wrong. Breakfast Club mm-hmm. is an amazing movie. I have the criterion. Do not at me. This is like <laughs> fact. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, like Breakfast Club is an amazing movie, and you're wrong. It's okay. it, it, like it is. Yeah. No, my favorite like John Hughes movie don't is. Don't me on like the most agreeable statement. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm the only person in the world besides maybe our friend Jared too that also. Well, I think he liked it until the end. I just flat out don't like it. I think it tries too hard. Insists on punishing. It was all right. Yeah. I love. Oh, like, you've seen the, it. Okay. Like, yeah. Like not to have a tangent, but I love the fact that Josh, that you, you know, that you hate Breakfast Club, but you love. You know the Power Rangers I, movie, ooh, which is ba- which, which is, is basically the, which is a Breakfast Club movie, but yeah, it felt more organic when they talk about their problems. They sit on the fire out in the middle of the desert, and you know they, my mom's the best, and just it felt really, it made me want to fucking cry, dude. I'm actually tearing up a little bit right now. But Breakfast Club is just so fucking forced, man. I can't, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it reads like a play. Which I guess is fine, but it feels forced. Anyway, yeah, I would say we, this isn't we, the Breakfast Club podcast, but we are talking about '80s nostalgia, so it tracks. Yeah, yeah, and like, and we won't go into the whole Power Rangers thing. Yasin and I will just yell at each other for two hours. I'm just saying, <laughs> Breakfast Club would be a better movie with Megazords and stuff. Any movie, <laughs> you know what? I don't disagree with that. Yassine. I really, truly don't. <laughs> but I do like the Bre- I like the Breakfast Club, but I saw it way too late. So it was kind of a Ferris Bueller thing where it's like... Maybe that's it. If I saw it when I was a kid... It's not the best movie I, ever because I've seen so much before that. But I appreciate it for what it was. I, I remember Ebert was really torn because he met somebody. Like, not somebody in the biz. Like, he just happened to meet, like, a young woman at a restaurant or something. And she said her favorite movie in the whole entire world was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And he's like, but, but, there's so many other movies. And, you know, she's just a casual probably, you know. No, my favorite movie is Ferris Bueller. And Ebert's like, it's a good movie. He didn't poo-poo on it, but he's like, why? Your favorite movie in the whole world? That's just Boom. him being a movie snob. He's a snob. Yeah, I, ever I agree. Piss like, on Robert e- Roger Ebert's grave because he 
when he reviewed Godzilla 98 with Matthew Broderick, he said, this isn't the soul. I want to see the real Godzilla. And then when Godzilla 54 came in theaters for the anniversary, first time in the United States, he gave it one star. And he wasn't even paying attention to the movie because he got some of the character roles wrong. Really? Dumbass. Yeah, he, I think he was more more interested in making snarky comments in his fucking review and taking notes than he was paying attention to the actual goddamn fucking movie. I fucked anyway. I actually, I actually kind of liked Ebert, but that made me, you know... That that divorced me from him. Anyway, we should I, talk I, about I, cage match. Yeah, yeah. I like I like how we went on that whole tangent because of Jennifer Gray. So you know, for our podcast listeners, if you ever wonder how can you connect Jennifer Gray to Robert Ebert reviewing the original 1954 Godzilla movie? Well, you just heard it right here. You just heard it. So right there's here. that. Yeah. But other notable voice actors in um, Cage Match that are worth mentioning. I actually want to give a shout out to Kelly Hugh. Um, she played Ashra um, in that movie, and I knew it, man. Like I couldn't, I couldn't remember it, but I did look it up after we got done watching the movie about like a like the next day. But I knew I've heard her voice in multiple roles before. And obviously, Josh, you mentioned that she plays Lee May um, in mm-hmm. MK One, the game. Um, she's the one who does her voice, which I can hear that, but you seen, you'll know this, but I, because I couldn't pin it down, but I looked up her profile and she is the voice of Cheshire in Young Justice. And I'm oh. like, oh, that's where I heard her voice before. Oh. Okay. Yeah, and she's done, and she's done, and, you know, obviously she's still kind of new on, well, I can't say new on the voice acting scene, but, like, she has a Young sizable amount like of roles. years ago, bro. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but she's done other stuff. But actually, Josh, one thing you'll love about her, which I didn't know, um, but one of her first roles, <laughs> one of her first roles, which I found this hilarious. Please say Return of Swamp roles, Thing. No, but close. Um, one of her first roles was Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Oh, nice. <laughs> like she was a, she's in that movie. <laughs> oh, that's cool. And, and she's in Surf Ninjas. She's in Epic Surf Ninjas. <laughs> Is oh, that man. with Carrie so, Carrie Hiroki Tagawa, or was that uh, uh, the uh, Five Ninjas or Three Ninjas or whatever? I think that's Three Ninjas. It's not Surf Ninjas. Okay. I don't um, think he was in either. What I, the fuck? I, oh, I'm thinking Johnny Tsunami. We 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 crossed Tsunami, this bridge yeah. before. He was in Johnny Tsunami. Whoops, sorry. That's awesome yeah. though. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I love the fact that her, her first role was in Jason well, Takes. Well, I think a lot of first great. roles happened in slasher movies and stuff like that. You know, yeah, just I just fi- like I just find it funny. Oh, she was Deathstrike in X two. Yeah, she was Deathstrike in X two. Wow. Okay, she was Jericho. So screen and and voice actress. Yeah, I mean, like that's not that's not completely out of their own possibility. A lot of people oh, yeah. who are voice actors I mean, are also regular. We actors. cover that in our Clancy Brown, man. Yeah, Clancy yeah, Brown. Yeah. Uh, the Hellboy, I don't know, Ron Perlman, everyone, yeah. Yeah, and of course, I was kind of like saving this, but, uh, well, I'll get to that in a second, but also, Phil Amar is also in this movie. Of course, Phil Amar is one of the all-time greats. Dude, like, will never not be voicing an animated character at any point in time. He's usually voicing somebody. Uh, he was uh, Brian, which, I remember the character, but I don't know how to describe, like, where he was in the movie. It's kind of a smallish role for Phil Lamar, but we can say that he was in the movie. So that's another voice actor that, that has been around. So another voice actor, Matthew Mercer. I think he's the guy from Critical Role. Is that right? Those oh, those, shit. Uh, that name tabletop. sounds familiar. He's a tabletop, uh, what do you call it? Those D&D. Tabletop like, game? Yeah. But yeah, he, he was the voice of the director. I know he's in a lot of voice actor mm. stuff, too. Oh, he's, oh, shit. He's in Resident Evil Death Island, the new shitty CG Resident Evil movie. He plays Leon. Leon ah. Sex Kennedy himself. 
Shit. Oh, shit. He's Gan... Oh, that's why people love him. He's Ganondorf in Tears of the Kingdom as well. Oh, yeah. he's Dude, he does so much like anime and stuff, too. I just opened up his page. He's he's Bemular in the Ultraman anime. That's... Yeah, cool. Oh. Like, this, like dude, this is why I love voice actor roles, because, like, they... You never know like, where they're going to show up. Yeah, you just never know where they're going to show up, and you're like, oh, this is why this sounds familiar. He's it's always Fei a long game. in Street Fighter Four. Goddamn. <laughs> He's Leon Kennedy in Resident Evil 6. Oh, shit. In the game, really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Hey, hats off to you, Matthew Mercer. Now I know why people were so excited when he was Ganondorf. And honestly, I don't want to poo-poo on the guy, but all the Zelda voice acting sounds poo-poo. I wasn't really impressed with his Ganondorf's voice, but I'm not going to take it away from him because he's Leon, my man. He's in Persona 5. He's in a bunch Cares. of games. He's in a lot of games. Let's just say Persona that. Persona sucks. He's in a lot of games and everything. So. Mm-hmm. Persona sucks. Uh, Breakfast Club sucks. I'm just going to wait for the hate <laughs> mail to pile in. Hey, man, we don't get really? mail. I might as well try and attract some hate mail, you know? Uh, oh, I, I, I want to bring up another... Uh, there's there's another interesting cast member that uh, is worth mentioning that I want to mention is Matthew Yang King. Lord, Fire God Liu Kang himself. Oh, sure. oh, really? He's yeah. Fire God Liu Kang in MK1? He, okay. Yes, he is. Actually, yeah. Yeah, we did mention him last he time. He is quite okay. a king. We talked about him. And he his role here is concierge. <laughs> yeah, he's concierge. Okay. There, uh, was there a scene in a hotel? There probably was. I don't remember where he would have came in. It sounds like, yeah, I think that there was like a scene like in the hotel. And also, he was the costume man, which I assume was the bad guy at the beginning of the movie. Oh, you know, like, okay. Yeah, like 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 when they were doing like the film set thing at the yeah. beginning of the movie. I, Ninja I assume Mime. that he voiced him. Yeah, Ninja Mime. Well, I, I want to say too that, that was one that of was the great. best points. That, just seeing his hands come up from the train. Yeah, which we never talked about the Ninja Mime cameo in MK One as well. Uh, two min two Ninja Mime cameos now in Mortal Kombat media that were pretty awesome. Got to recognize. Huh? Do you not remember it from MK One? No. Yeah, uh, when during the pyramid fight. The Johnnies, there's Johnny and Janet Cage, and then oh. I think when they're getting ready to fight later, when they're fighting Goro, the fucking Ninja Mime himself steps out, and that's you know as, as yeah. stupid yeah. as the and as stupid as the act act was, that was like you did the Leo DiCaprio meme again. It's like let's fucking Ninja Mime. Anyway, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, that was absolutely totally there. Um, I do at least want to like mention the other voice actors, even though I admit I don't know much about them. Uh, Dustin Brown played Chuck Golden. Chuck Golden Dustin is Brown. the VIP of uh, Dustin. Like basically, yeah. yeah, no T. Oh, oh, Dustin. Okay, or sorry. Whoops. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, Dustin Brown. And Chuck. Chuck was Dustin. wholesome. He was a good character. Chuck was the VIP of the whole movie, man. Chuck's. I don't know VIP. MVP. Yeah, I guess yeah, it would yeah, be MVP, no. but I don't even think he's the yeah. MVP. He was a good character, but MVP? It's Johnny. Johnny's the MVP. He's Johnny. I mean, Johnny's the MVP, but I definitely think that, like, you know, Johnny would not have gotten nearly as far in that movie without Chuck. Chuck is great. <laughs> um, Chuck Gary uh, Gary DeLeslie as Kia, uh, little boy and the old woman, so multiple roles. Oh, wow. And Kia was at the beginning of the movie. Kia yeah. fought Ashra at the beginning. She um, got died pretty know. splatterly against oh, the windshield. Oh, oh, she got... Oh, Oh, she got died hard. Uh, Robin um, Atkin Downs as Shinnok because Shinnok is in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, which again, that's part of like the fun part is that like Johnny Cage and MK10 at the beginning of MK10 kills Shinnok with random god powers. Josh and I have made fun of that in the past. And then it's almost like they do this again where like Johnny Cage just awakens his Greek god powers and he just kills Shinnok. Well, it's and it's I, the and origin brain, story. It's how he discovers the shadow kick, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, apparently. But I just find it funny that, like, much like how, like, you know, Shang Tsung and Liu Kang just have this just universal beef with each other. Like, these two are just never going to stop fighting each other, and the world's going to suffer for it as a result and probably future MK games. Like, they just have that rivalry. I kind of feel like Shinnok and Johnny Cage are going to be, like, the same thing, even though they don't really have chemistry with each other. It's just the fact that Johnny Cage just has the one power level to actually kill Shinnok. Yeah. Like, I just find that funny. Um then we have a Zahara Fazal as a Jakarta. I don't even remember who Jakarta right? was. Ja- was that, uh, you that, might was be, the, that was the other demon girl. The yeah, that was the other demon girl that you know, that got killed, uh, splattered in the Hollywood sign. <laughs> oh, so yeah. uh, I, almost, I, I almost forgot that. And then also we also have David B. Mitchell. He played Raiden, who is very briefly in this movie. He has like one scene, and I thought he was going to be like at the end of the movie, but he wasn't. I don't know if David B. Mitchell has voiced Raiden in previous roles, but he's not Check familiar to me. But I think Dave Mitchell had more lines as the bus driver than as Raiden. He absolutely did. Oh, was he <laughs> so, the bus driver too? Yeah, he was oh, the shit. bus driver in the oh, movie Oh, shit, well. dude. Mortal Kombat 11, he is the voice of Garrus and Sector. Oh, cool. Uh, That's I, cool. I, and I guess I not, not the voice of Garrus in MK1, though. Uh, oh, he, doesn't look this like... guy's been Raiden in all the, the Legends movies. There you go. Oh, he has? Yeah, that oh. makes sense. I mean, and they brought back Joe he, McHale. He's also in the Ultraman anime. And he's the voice of Bebop in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Splintered Fate, whichever the fuck one that is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know what that one is. Splintered <laughs> Fate? Uh, that must be straight to video. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I definitely wanted to bring this up because this is like sort of like uh, um, the best for last kind of thing. But also, all right. Yeah, because also... R.I.P. Um, Gilbert Gottfried, the one and only Gilbert Gottfried. Most people who are listening to this podcast should at least know him because hopefully you've watched Disney's Aladdin. He's the voice of Iago. Or the Problem Child movies. Or the Problem Child movies. And God knows how many comedy specials. Have you seen an Aflac commercial? Yeah, Pre pre two thousand pre. You know, I'm not speaking to all the dead, but you know, he did he did fall out of favor because he got fired as an Aflac duck because he made an off color joke. About uh, Fukushima uh, nuclear yeah. disaster, maybe a little too soon. Uh, yeah, yeah, and they dropped yeah. his ass. But you know, I'm not going to fault him for it. He's a constant memory from my childhood. Gilbert Godfrey. Yep. Oh, and he was yep. in Critters. Yep. Remember Jay Critters? Uh, whatever the Critters. Oh yeah, yeah, show yeah, was. yeah, He was great in that because he played the cre- yeah, the was. weird uncle. And there's that scene mm-hmm. where the the main hero has his lesson repeat in his head, including the extra tagline like, "You want some Viagra." It's like, Eddie, all you got to do is believe in yourself and you can do it. You want some Viagra? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like, also, man, like, I think one of the funniest things he ever did, that's just, it's underrated. But back, like, when Twilight, like, the Twilight book series was super popular and people were just going nuts over the movies. Twilight? Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, Twilight, like the actual like um yeah um yeah like like the one like with the vampires and the werewolves and crap. It was like it, like it was a big thing in the early two thousands. No shit, Gilbert yeah, Gottfried. Talk- Gilbert Gottfried did an audio recorded reading of Twilight. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Are you the only? Are you thinking of Fifty Shades of Grey? Because that's what I seen him do. Which is oh maybe it's Fifty Shades which of Grey. Twilight yeah, is a Fifty Shades of Grey fan fiction or vice versa. I forget. They're they're incestuous. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I see yeah, that. Yes. Yeah, my clitoris. I can't do it, Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't even bother. I, I, I'm not even gonna try. But that shit was hilarious. But yeah, 
Gilbert Gottfried, as far as I'm aware, this is the last thing that he ever did um, was this movie. Uh, there's even an RIP for him at the end of this oh. movie and um, basically in memory of him because he died in, at some point in 2022. I admit I don't know if the date off the top of my head, but obviously he had done the recording for this. And man, it's wonderful, but it shows. He's talking kind of slow in his role in the movie for David Double, <laughs> David mm. Double B whatever um but he's talking kind of slow in this movie his lines and his scene is not very big in it but you definitely feel his presence like there's no denying that it's gilbert Gottfried. Um, yeah i mean yeah, he's unmistakable voice yeah unmistakable but he but he does sound kind of drunk um in his role in this he movie. also says the f word as 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 i think that's a joke of his character too because he's a sleazy producer and i guess i don't want to say the spoiler or what he ends up being but he also says the f word almost as much as i do <laughs> Yep, it's hilarious. Yeah. I think we laughed at that because yeah. it was just comical how much he was dropping the F word. <laughs> so, but that's at least, you know, like most of the voice cast worth mentioning in this movie, in my opinion. Um, I, I actually didn't dislike the voice cast. I thought everybody did kind of like a, you know, like basically a job, uh, like the job that they were set out to do. Jennifer Grey kind of like played herself and Gilbert Gottfried more or less played himself. <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't think there's... You ever really think the real Gilbert Gottfried actually sounds like what he sounds like in the movies? Oh, no, he, he absolutely does. No, he doesn't. Like, I, I, I mean, I he, he does. it's still a little bit there, but he exaggerates it. But you think, I don't remember yeah, if he was married or not. Like, do you think he talk wakes up in the morning? He's like, "Honey, did you make some scrambled eggs?" You know, or something like that. I want to eggs. <laughs> yeah, but, no one can. Uh, no, I think I've heard. I've seen like. Uh, I think I've seen him talk in interviews where his voice is normal. Like that of him talking normally, and he's his voice is a lot more calm. Like you can't, you can't like sustain. You can't that be twenty four. You can't be crunk all the time. Uh, it's like Tom Waits. Tom Waits, his whole persona is doing that gravelly voice. It's not really fucking what he sounds like all the time. Yeah, true. It's it's interesting. Like this is the second project that I've seen of an actor posthumous that's like this that came out this year that felt not weird, but like it was like a weird note to end on. Mm. The other one was Ray Liotta, and his last movie, I think, oh shit, is Cocaine Bear. I forgot he passed away. Yeah. I didn't know he was in Cocaine Bear either. Oh, yeah. He's like a villain. Nice. And I th- I think that may be his last credited role. I'm not sure. But, yeah. If Gilbert Gottfried has another role, I admit I'm unaware of it. I, I, mean, I did pass pretty... a thing that confirmed it, it, it is his last role. Much like Raul Julia and Street Fighter, Gilbert sure, Gottfried, yeah. Mortal Kombat. Which, you know, again, RIP, um, RIP to him, but... Yeah. That's in my opinion, like in my opinion, it's I think like cage match just for that alone with Gilbert Gottfried will kind of like be at least somewhat remembered because you know these movies like these MK movies they're fun but they're usually direct to DVD or direct to streaming um, or digital type yeah. movies so it's it's I'm not surprised if they end up forgotten or they fall by the wayside because they do feel like a little bit of like hey let's take advantage of the franchise when the new movie came out so let's do some quick cash grabs for these kind of things I, mean, I would usually fine. be it's WB. Dis- I would usually be dismissive of such a thing, and I'll be honest, I'm going to look forward to the next live-action Mortal Kombat 2 more than any of these, except for the fact that I really enjoy these, like now, with Snowblind and this. Yeah. But wouldn't it be cool if like, they, they sold enough, and they got a Disney budget, and did like a theatrical animated Mortal Kombat movie? That's not going to well, happen, th- but, you know. No, that's not going to happen, because like what these fall under the branch of, Josh, is so around the, I would say, like, what, 2010 or so? I could have the date wrong, but... 
after the Justice League Unlimited animated series ended, that was like a, that was like your like your WB DC big huge cartoon thing. After that ended, they wanted to continue to do more stuff, but they couldn't do it in television format. So what they started mm. doing is that they started releasing these direct to DVD DC animated movies on different storylines in the comics. Like they did the Death of Superman first off, and then they did like. Um, they did uh, like they did a Wonder Woman movie. They did a Green Lantern movie, all animated, by the way. They did like a couple of Superman Batman stories, and they've continued this trend. And WB seems to have kind of streamlined this format with, you know, I would assume would be other brands of theirs. And I feel like Mortal Kombat's just the latest one. They've already mm-hmm. released four of these direct to digital movies, and so long as they make. I think a certain threshold, they're going to continue making them. And, you know, unlike DC, Mortal Kombat doesn't have the luxury of these, of of all these crazy, massive comic storylines, even with comics that we've actually reviewed. So I think like, it's interesting that what they're going to do or what they've started to do anyway, we'll see if the trend continues is doing these like one-off, like character centric stories that are just big. What ifs. Um, And personally, I like I'm here for it. I think it's great. Like it because it doesn't really feel like you're you're not really damaging any sort of lore. You're not recanoning anything for the most part. You're just kind of telling a fun story with a fun theme, and you're just yeah. kind of doing it. I think that, I mean <laughs> like at I, the end of the day, what fans want is you know more quality content. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think it matters if it's a big budget movie or if it's a traded DVD anime. Like well, everyone but, should want more quality. I think anyone would want that. I guess it. You know, some people. No, I'm saying you can lap- have quality in a direct to DVD animated movie because, like, absolutely. Like before, you know, I mean, you know, before everybody got like Marvel fatigue, like during the heyday of the MCU stuff, a lot of the and you know, and DC was trying to do that with the live action, but they were like failing. A lot of the discussion was like, oh yeah, you know, Marvel has the live action movies down on lock, but. DC is killing it with the DC animated movies. Like hell yeah, they are. Cause Jay showed us that green lantern first flight and that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where you went to get a lot of the stories that you wanted to see on TV or in a movie or whatever. So I feel like mortal Kombat can do something similar to that in a, you know, quicker turnaround rate than, you know, these live action movies. Cause we're going to, especially with the actors strike now, we're going to, it's going to be a couple of years before we see the next well, mortal Kombat. I mean, we were at a party last night, Jay, and they st- I, with a lot of film people, and I guess I haven't been paying attention, but apparently the writer's strike is over? Yeah, the writer's strike is over. Yeah, but I did not the actress one. Yeah. Uh, that's why all the, that's why all the, uh, like, late night shows are back, but, like, the actors like can't late night. promote any of their stuff. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. One thing to the other. Okay. But, no, I feel you. I mean, you know, bring bring on some more. Oh yeah, I want my Kung Lao. Yeah. Oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah, like, like I think, like I think it's coming. I think it's absolutely coming down the pipeline. But uh, now wow. that we've actually talked, yeah. How about a striker movie? Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think the fan base is ready for a striker. Man. I don't know, <laughs> man. <laughs> Shit, I'm a striker movie. <laughs> I don't think Stryker's a popular enough character to warrant no, a movie, no, but he's not. obviously a popular enough character to be killed in a movie like he was in Battle for the Realms. Yes. So, yeah, that's the whole reason he was there. Back to blue. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Holy shit. There's your, there's your title, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Gotta imagine the controversy of that. Okay, man. <laughs>
Yeah, but cage match. Um, one thing I wanted to kind of go through is that we've kind of talked a little bit about, um, you know, the boys cast and at least most of our general thoughts. But what do we actually like like about this movie? And I kind of want to go through that just kind of like one at a time on each of you. Mm. Um, for me, I'll just go ahead and start is that at least for me, compared to all the other movies, I feel like I love the simplicity of this movie probably more than anything. Um, Snowblind had... Definitely a much more involved plot. It was simple, kind of like a hero's journey kind of thing. But you have like this post-apocalyptic scenario. You have a guy getting mentored by a wise master, trying to defeat a seemingly impossible villain, and then saving like the day. There's this whole sort of like post-apocalyptic, almost Mad Max kind of fantasy world to Snowblind. And that's a lot to kind of take in. While it's like Johnny Cage's uh, cage match is basically like an 80s action flick like you have johnny cage just being an actor trying to find a co-star can't find her gets caught up in this weird conspiracy to get a MacGuffin, like basically a plot MacGuffin of some type that he does get and then you know you find that it's like okay there's a secret society of people there's a, a plot to destroy the world and johnny cage is the only person for the moment to save it and so he does that's a much more simpler like you know sort of like basic movie plot than snowblind was but i like the simplicity because it opens up more room for them to really play with the theme and just the dialogue of the characters because it's not so heavy and boy do they this film has a god-tier goofy love letter to the 80s in just about every way shape and form like from the highlights and the shadows to the music um to some of the color palette choices to even some of the dialogue choices are actually pretty much that and even some of the action like we talked about earlier um and the voice acting and some of the character motivations are solid enough that they don't really bother me too terribly much i enjoyed like you know um ashra being a sort of like a cameo character um, in this movie or, or support character because I don't think we've seen her in anything. So they're giving her time to shine. They gave Serena a little bit of a time to shine. They brought back Shinnok in this movie as the big bad, but they kept the cast fairly small. They didn't really... It's actually the smallest MK cast of any Mortal Kombat mm. movie that I think has been made because i know it's smaller than snowblind it's absolutely smaller than battle of the realms and it's yeah it's smaller than scorpion's revenge you've only got like what like four like maybe four mk actual characters that this are in the game this is the first industry. legends movie that doesn't have scorpion in it yeah that's very true you know they just decide to try this kind of like weird uh uh centric thing on just johnny cage being johnny cage and i thought it worked you know pretty well i think the stuff like the art style um, choices are actually pretty good. So at least for me, that's uh, like, like, yeah, like, um, it's just, it's like, it's simple and dialogue wise. It's funny. Like Johnny Cage made me laugh a couple of times with this dialogue. So yeah, I mean, I don't really have too much, too, uh, too many better things to say about it other than that. Yeah. I'll let you go. You seen, I always, I always talk oh. first. Okay. Um, I will say I like the art style in this one. Like, I like the exaggerated colors. I liked the uh, bold outlines around every character. The you know light lighter line weights for the like inside details or whatever. I think animation was pretty good. It wasn't as good as Snowblind, but I think they were going for something a little bit different. So yeah. I dug that. Uh, I also liked the self-aware humor that it had. I thought a lot of a lot of the of Johnny's lines. Like it's like he knows that they're corny and bad, but that's just what he knows. I guess it's like 
That's and true. And all the winks in the cameras and stuff like that. It's like, oh, that's that's ridiculous, but in a charming way. So mm-hmm. I I liked a lot of that. And yeah, I liked I liked that it was a shorter movie. It was a breeze. And yeah, simplicity of the plot, while it could be a detriment, I think for something like this, they knew what they were aiming for, and I think they succeeded in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think they knew what they were doing. They knew they were going to make like sort of like a fun, goofy '80s love letter with a simple plot, just starring Johnny Cage, and so they just did it. And I think they actually like. I mean, so obviously, you know, I think we can say that like the bar for the bar for success, at least for the director and the writers, was lower than what they tried to achieve with Snowblind. Even though, in, like with Snowblind, I think they did achieve it, but I think uh, Snowblind was a bit of a higher bar than what this movie was. Yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, and that's okay. Sometimes, like, every now and again, I like, like, little short, breezy, refreshing, like, small movies like this. Like, they're fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, when the trailer came out, and I'm actually watching the, the auto trailer play while I have the IMDb page open, and I kind of want to watch the movie again. But when the trailer came out, I, you know, I had said, I even said on her Twitter, I'm like, is this going to be the best Legends movie yet? And it actually wasn't. I do like Snowblind better. It, even maybe because Snowblind was more interesting in you know the expansion of the story and a what if story, it was mm-hmm. smaller than Battle for the Realms, but it also was big at the same time because it had big stakes. But it still dealt with a smaller amount of characters. This one at the outset seemed perfect. It's just a Johnny Cage movie. How could you go wrong? Johnny Cage just being funny and going on eighties, and it takes place in the eighties. So you get you know big hair and everything. How could you go wrong? And largely, they succeeded. I think the only reason I don't like it as much as Snowblind, because Scorpion is in it. No, I'm kidding. Actually, I don't mind that Scorpion's absent here. Uh, that Wouldn't have that have been some bullshit if, like, at the end of the... When he's fighting Shinnok, he can't match Shinnok, so he needs to call in help, or Ashra calls in help for him, and she summons from the Netherrealm Scorpion, just so you can get your Scorpion cameo. Wouldn't have that been some bullshit? <laughs> yeah. Because he kind of stole the thunder from Kenshi... In uh, in Snowblind a little bit. There's kind of as much as I love Scorpion. There was no reason for him to be in Snowblind, but uh, maybe it's just just because so simple that it just felt like a less substantial movie. But I ain't gonna lie that I had fun. I definitely did. I also think it did things I wasn't expecting from the trailer. Like for instance, Jennifer Grey turning out to be uh Serena, and just the whole I don't want to say a commentary, but just a satire on the whole Hollywood is full of Satanists uh, conspiracy theory. If you're not familiar with that, that's pretty popular. True Detective kind of hovers over that too. And this one just like, yeah, that's a thing. And they just make fun of it. Like, yeah, yep. Hollywood Hollywood is trying to resurrect up. Everyone in Hollywood is actually a demon from Netherrealm, including your favorite 80s actress, Jennifer Grey. I think I'm not going to give it too much credit and say it's clever. It's a little bit too on the nose, but it was funny. I enjoyed it, and I wasn't expecting that. And the mm-hmm. art, yeah, the art was good. I do think, goddamn, I almost said Battle for Limbs. Snowblind's art was a little better, but I'm not even going to say Snowblind's art was snow. God fucking damn, Snowblind's art was great because I did think, <laughs> I think I said uh, our episode of that, it did feel a little low rent. Nah, this kind of yeah. does too. Like you know, it's cheap. I understand, but it looks good, and I do like the '80s stylized of everything. I guess all I was hoping for was maybe a little more content with a K, like in between the plot unfolding and him, you know, fighting uh, the other demon girl. Uh, Jay said her name and I forgot already. 
leading up to him fighting Shinnok. But that was kind yeah. of a fun little climax to him fighting uh, the renegade elder god in front of a crowd of cheering fans, which also makes you wonder if this fits into canon or not. So that means Johnny Cage waltzes into MK1 tournament uh, already having beaten an elder god under his belt, and he, he kind of has a preview of what the greater world is with the realms. Even though, like, it can't be canon to Scorpion's Revenge because Johnny's completely ignorant in that movie. But, you know, as a standalone, it works. Uh, overall, I like it. Yeah. Not as good as Snowblind, but I'm not going to blame somebody for saying it's better than Snowblind. Yeah. Like, um, I think the key word there, Josh, that you said that I think just hits the most is standalone. Because, it, because it's a standalone kind of thing... That's why I think it works. It's not. It's not trying like the like the plot is not trying to connect it really overly hard into anything major from the Mortal Kombat storyline. Like at the end of the movie, there is this little line where Johnny Cage is about to go to an island that he's packing for, and obviously that's kind of hinting at oh, you're about to go to the island to oh, you know to compete the first time. I missed tournament. that. There's a line. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he sure. was, uh, yeah, at the end. At, at the end of the movie, he was packing his bags, and this one like paparazzi chick like asked him like what he was doing, and he kind of like you know egotistically is saying that he's going to go to like he's going to go to an island to potentially film another movie. But again, he's bringing like the suitcase in there and everything. And it's just it's just very much assumed that they're kind of referencing the '95 movie where he goes to you know to the island. Man, uh, I don't miss that. Fight he in the first he even comment. kind of dresses like. Yeah, he kind of does. Just like in lighter clothes. Like he just oh, speaking like, of references to the 95 movie, we totally skirted over yeah. Master Boyd, who I guess I'm the only yeah, one Master that like, did the Liu Kang, or the Liu Kang meme, uh, Leo DiCaprio meme pointing out. That's the thing. Yeah. No Art Lean, though, sadly. No, no we were hoping Lean. that Chuck that would turn nice. into Art Lean, which would have been great. Instead, he turned into mocap. <laughs> yeah, which was pretty cool. I mean, he did turn into mocap, so that was pretty awesome, you know. I'm just saying, we got to get... That's what I want. I want an Art Lean movie as the next Legends movie. There you go. Boom. Oh, man. Yeah, that'd be amazing. WB, you heard it. We want more Art Lean. And we're not the only ones. I yeah. see I see some Art Lean talk on the internet. People want them. Bring them. I did definitely, I did definitely like, at least want to touch on, like, a, a Chuck Golden, a.k.a. mocap, like, a little bit. Because he, like, I like how his character is sort of like this assistant that Johnny Cage kind of treats like shit, but also kind of also says he's, like, the best thing, like, there is. It's, it's one of those, like, fun, like, buddy-buddy camaraderie things. It kind of feels like what's, it kind of feels like, what is it? What's that, like, old TV show? Green Hornet and something else? It's, like, Green Hornet and something. But I can't remember it off the top of my head, but... I think because you remember like when I say Green Hornet, it was like the Green Hornet guy. And then he had like basically like an like an Asian sidekick. But the Asian sidekick was always like the super smart one and always like basically help like helped him out with everything. Yeah. He's in his Kato. You know who played the first on like the TV show? You know who played that first, right? That was Bruce Lee, right? Yeah. What? Yeah, that's yeah. What? Yeah, that's, yeah, that was Bruce Lee. Oh, yeah. shit. Okay. I didn't know he did TV. Yeah. yeah. Before he went back to. Uh, Hong Kong to do all those legendary movies. No shit. Wait, what? <laughs> you mean the Bruce Bruce Lee with a one E and Bruce L I? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> all right. I didn't know no, that. That's they, cool. But they kind of had that like dynamic going on, and in my brain, I'm like, I know they got to be referencing like a like basically a dynamic duo that was like that that was famous for something back then. They have to. I just couldn't remember off the top of my head what it was. But I really enjoyed the fact that at the end he basically became mocap. I'm like, oh, that's just funny. <laughs> like I thought that was just a neat like reference, and there are like little. 
like little references. Yeah, and they also show the clip from uh, the games. Finally, Mortal Kombat trilogy just drop in footage from the game. That was a nice little oh yeah nod. Yep, I do want to make a correction. Yes, I I just looked back at the scene at the end where he references the tournament. He is mm-hmm. not in fact dressed like Lyndon Ashby. Just want to uh, make that clear. Our, our boo. I mean, Lou. I don't know. Got, I got Luke Kang on the mind. Now, for the most part, that we've talked about things that we like about the movie, I kind of want to shift gears and talk about things that we didn't like about the movie because I think all of us at least have something about uh, it. Um, I know I do. Josh, you want to start us off on that? Shit, that man. Because uh, there are things. Like, like, because there are things. There are things. I, because I, I, I kind of feel like that we do have to at least criticize this movie to some extent because it was at least to me there's a reason why we think it's like it's it's not as good as Snowblind. You leave me I'm prepared. I wasn't prepared for that. And also I'm wondering if you're wanting to pad out the runtime because we are actually we are we are 2 minutes longer than our shortest episode right now. Not bad. Not bad. We were worried we wouldn't have a lot to talk about this episode. Uh Well no, but, I, well no, I mean like but I just figured like it's worth discussing. It is. And honestly, even though I don't like it as much as uh, fucking Snowblind, is there anything I specifically I disliked about it? That's actually a tough question, Jay. I can't... I liked it less, but and I gave the reasons, just because it felt like a little more simpler, not that that's a bad thing, but that it could have it could have had more meat. Is that, is that a specific answer? Because I can't really think of anything that I actively disliked. Okay. Maybe... Well, I was going to say maybe the art could have been a little better, but like I said, I've already established... It's not an expensive production. It's about on par with the previous movie's visual style or, or visual fidelity, whatever. Yeah, I, damn, Jay, man. Uh, okay, I'll give you one. I thought Kia and the other uh, demon girl that gets killed on the windshield of the bus, I thought they were kind of quickie one-and-done characters because I almost forgot Kia was in the movie. And that mm-hmm. uh, maybe as a whole there could have been more uh, memorable characters in this demon Pentology, because like we do get walk-on cameos from uh, Moloch and Draman from Deadly Alliance, and that's literally once again a Leo DiCaprio meme moment. I mean, I think they appeared in Snowblind as well, but they didn't do anything. They just showed up to get killed by Johnny Cage or Asher or somebody. And the director, spoilers, the director that we see in the beginning of the movie ends up being a demon too, and he's one that Chuck and Asher defeat, but. Maybe there could have been more memorable henchmen leading up to Shinnok. And maybe that would have like lengthened the movie and made it feel a little bit more meatier too. Uh, yeah. I guess that's my only complaint. I really I really can't think of an extreme fault. That's I, that, that works good for the movie. Oh, which by the way, the IMDb rating is 5.9 out of 10. That's a shame. Yeah, that is a shame. What the hell they have problem with they have with it. I don't know. Yeah, you see? Do you have any like major faults? Because I, I can't think of any. Yeah, I don't know if it's a, their major faults because I, I don't think this is a bad movie. I think what it aimed to do kind of holds it back from being a great movie. Mm. Like, I feel like the fact that it's a very simple story and a simple character, simple A to B to C kind of thing, I feel like that holds it back a little bit, even though that's what they intended to do and that's it does a great job at that. But, I mean, you, I guess you can't really fault it. Not everything's supposed to be like a you know, an absolute banger, but it's still a good, fun movie. I guess I, I would have liked to see some more, more MK characters, I guess, not a lot, maybe like a couple more that were actually like, like you said, memorable characters. But I, mm. I was sitting here while you were talking, cause I was like, Oh, that's going to be one of my points too. But I can't really think of any character related to Johnny 
outside of Sonya. And if you put Sonya in there, then it, then it almost then you gotta have well, Jax, Kano. Yeah, and then it becomes a movie, the movie again, or something. Like that. I don't know. It just it it's hard to do a solo Johnny Cage movie without Sonya. Yeah, they they honestly, they yeah, they worked magic to put Shinnok in it in a, in a hilarious way, and it works. Yeah. So props yeah. to them for that. I guess that's positive. True. Um, yeah, it's not. It's not really a, uh, like any glaring negatives. I think maybe just some characters could have been in there longer. Like I would have liked to see Raiden in it a little bit more and have that mm. established, you know, Ashra side of things. I feel like Ashra. Yeah, they they got her, you know, to be a little more human or her quest to be a little bit more human and stuff like that. But the, like there there are some things about it that I did not like that I feel like need to be addressed a little yeah. bit. And but, mo- and most of it. Oh, go ahead, Justine. Sorry. I'll say the last thing that I'll say is that the only, it's, a, it's a petty thing, but I I don't like that. It's it's kind of like the midway comics again, where it's like it's all just a lead up to like the tournament. Like oh shit. Well, I mean, you expect that. Yeah. This is a Johnny origin story. We're gonna find out about his pre MK pre tournament days. True, true. I just felt because like the 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 great thing about Snowblind is that it didn't really have anything to do with the tournament. Yeah, it was a standalone thing. So I kind of wanted a Johnny thing that didn't have that didn't lead up to the tournament. Oh, but it did. Yes. Okay, that's your complaint. Yeah. I'll give one extra one. Is like maybe it's a stretch. It's kind of like a stretch to get the plot running. That Johnny would be this dedicated to chasing after Jennifer Grey to because she went AWOL. You know, he's a spoiled actor. Why is he even doing that? It should be a producer doing this because shit, he right? Needs, because he needs this movie to go... So, to, yeah, okay, they break. did establish that. This is big break. But I don't know, just like going from filming Ninja Mime and so-and-so actress isn't returning her calls to finding two demons fighting in her apartment... And going on a car chase, and he's just like, "Okay, this is my life now." Uh, maybe that was a well, stretch, I mean, the, but that's the, that's a stretch of a complaint. I think too. it's because because they had filmed most of the movie, and her part was the last part, and then yeah. she went missing. So they needed yeah. to get her to finish. The but movie. I mean, you know, he'd never seen a demon before. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm that's <laughs> really a stretch for me to criticize. There, it's a fucking animated Mortal Kombat movie. Of course, you know they're going to yeah. jump into it, but. Maybe not that I'm expecting like an hour long thing, but what if Johnny actually took a step back? You know, him and Chuck do research on demonology. Johnny's doing research. Well, he gets Chuck to do the research, and Chuck just you know tells him what he finds. <laughs> you know, they get out the Necronomicon <laughs> or something like that. But you know, this is a short breezy movie. It didn't need a whole fucking uh, long little segment like that. I mean, Chuck learned Greek. Well, he already knew like- Greek. I mean, he didn't know yeah, enough he to did speak it because it, he needed to do it for a different movie, right? Or something, yeah. Yeah, because the script was sent to him in Greek, and he had to figure out how to translate it, so he kind of was <laughs> somewhat familiar with it. But I did think that that was like comically funny, how you can take an old scroll that is God knows how many millennia years old that has spells in it, and it literally tells you everything you need to oh. know. It was definitely a big, like, it was definitely a big plot convenience. Here's a, yeah, here's sure. a complaint, Jay. And it, yeah, that scroll's a MacGuffin because I need reminding. What was the scroll supposed to do? Why was it important? Because I don't fucking remember. It's supposed to raise Shinnok. Yeah, yeah. The scroll had the spell to raise Shinnok because you remember, Josh, in the movie, they had no idea how to get Shinnok back. But then Chuck was like, okay, well, 
it's a long shot, but what, like, you know, we use the scroll to get him out, so we can use the scroll to get him back in. We just have to uh, close the gate. We just have to put him in the gate to close it. Clap yeah, to and Barata, it Nick spells. Too. Yeah, yeah, basically. That's basically what it was, but that's why they were after the entire scroll to be, you know. So be, in the beginning of the movie, when Johnny it. walks in on Ashra and uh, whoever, it's not Kia, what was the demon girl she was fighting that dies? Doesn't matter. Uh, ja- Jakata. Jakata. Jataka. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, Jataka. So Jataka is the one that was trying to steal the scroll. Would Ashra have it? And why were they in Jennifer Grey's room? I guess because Jennifer Grey was Kia. Or I'm sorry, uh, Natara. Serena. Serena. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm trying to trace the the travel, uh, the path of this scroll. Why, you know, did. Jennifer Grey acquire it and she kept it in her room and Asher came to steal it and then Chikata or whatever. Yep. Okay. That's and that's and the reason yep. they wanted it is because they've been trying to find it and resurrect Shinnok this whole time. Okay. Hey, maybe this movie does well, deserve a rewatch. So I can get clarify that. Well also this kind of stems from my problem, like like my like my personal problems with the movie. Like, even though this movie is an hour and 19 minutes, pretty breezy movie, it still felt longer than that. And that's an issue. I don't um, feel, I didn't feel that. Like, yeah, I, I did. Not um, once I did I even longer. have the desire to go down and refill my drink or use the restroom at all. Well, well, like, it wasn't, like, anything, like, stupid bad. Like, this film, like, even though it was an hour and 19 minutes, this film kind of felt like it was about 10 minutes too like, long. Like, it's like, an, I can hold it, <laughs> I can hold it through a three-hour movie, but... If I don't even think about wanting to go to the bathroom or re- or refill my refreshments, then that means it was pretty short, or at least I wasn't yeah. feeling it. Well, here's sort of like my examples and my receipts for that sort of stuff. So, like in the beginning, when they're going through Johnny's origin and how he was bullied as a kid, and then they they had to do all these different flashbacks in the movie about like you know why this film worked out the way it did, or like hey, I I saved this guy from getting his wallet taken, which happened to be my producer, and all that fun stuff, and you know, how he learned martial arts. Like, these are things that, like, obviously are necessary to the plot, but I kind of felt like they put a little bit too much time in those, and they could have been shortened. Hmm. There was also an incident in the middle of the movie, which, you know, leads into another problem. But remember that scene, like, after, you know, they figure out that there's a spell and why they're after the scroll. And Johnny, you know, of course, surmises very correctly. is like, hey, I'm just going to burn this scroll. If Like, if I burn <laughs> this scroll, then they can't summon Shinnok. And, like, he stands there explaining why he needs to burn the scroll. And then just out of nowhere, missile just blows up behind him. And then he gets kidnapped and loses the scroll. Like, Wait, where's I'm, a missile I'm coming? From, or was it a fireball you mean it can't or a fireball missile it explodey thing josh it's an explodey thing <laughs> gotcha and when i saw it like basically when i saw that i'm like okay so in my brain i'm thinking like maybe is there a reason why he shouldn't burn the scroll but then at the end of the day guess what they burn the scroll like they end up burning the scroll like, guess the what Jay? i don't remember that back. part either oh, I, I wasn't <laughs> drunk either um, watching the movie i the guys i should i, I didn't have anything impairing my ability to pay attention, but I don't remember that part. Yeah, but there also was um, so 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 that part kind of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way, and probably like my biggest grievance with it is just it definitely felt like a little bit of a rushed film, mm-hmm. uh, mostly from the animation department. There were some animation things that I can't unsee, and this is just my art brain kind of talking. They're picky stuff, but I just can't. You not want to talk see about them. the bedpost, um, which actually was just an illusion. 
Yeah, like, well, I'll mention it, but really that, like, that's more of like a me issue. But at the same time, I, I want to, I would like to actually, I need to buy the movie myself and rewatch that scene because it could have just been the fact that we, when we watched it, we streamed it and we didn't stream it at the best quality it could have been. So maybe that to. factored into You've that. You've seen about the yeah, 4K version. What the fuck happened? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we tried to, but we watched what we had. So that's why, like, I can't really count that as a criticism just yet. But what I can count is that some of the backgrounds that they had, particularly my the one that I referenced, is that when they were driving up to the basically to the cult mansion in the movie where Johnny ends up, you know, getting taken down into the sewer dungeon thing or whatever. When they were driving up to that um, to that mansion, the perspective is the camera does this very big overhead establishing shot, and then you can see the tiny car driving on a curved road. But the way that that background is layered was incredibly; it felt incredibly rushed and didn't really have a lot of thought put into it. Um, and there's several backgrounds that I'm pretty sure are like that if I really look at it. Stuff like that kind of like rubs me the wrong way. There was some stiff animation issues, particularly towards the end. There actually wasn't a lot of them in the beginning, but towards the end, particularly with the fight with Shinnok, Johnny Cage had a lot of stiff moments before he went like full like Shadow King. You mean like power when mode. he when he collapsed on top of the old lady and he's like, I don't mind. Not that part. I mean, but there stiff, was a, scene a stiff like moment. Yeah, yes, yeah, 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 stiff moments. But no, I'm talking about movement speed and walk cycles predominantly. I noticed that they slowed down a little bit. Okay. So that was a bit of one. Also, again, it's it's one of those movies, and this is just, again, a picky thing. Much like Yassine doesn't like it, how it allude to a tournament. I admit I'm, I'm typically becoming less of a fan of these days of MacGuffin hunts, and this movie was a MacGuffin hunt. It's about getting the MacGuffin. Yeah. I mean, you know, you you may as well replace like the scroll with uh, like with an infinity stone. It may as well be an infinity stone, and then like it doesn't really change anything in the plot. Just use the infinity stone to summon Shinnok, and then boom, it all just yeah. Comes that's out. kind of basic and, storytelling. Yeah, yeah. It's but again, like simple stuff. I kind of get it, but if you're gonna do a MacGuffin hunt, I kind of almost demand that it needs to be inherently more interesting than what we initially got in this movie. It doesn't. It doesn't take away from the film too much for me, but it's just a picky observation that I tend to have because, like, I instantly immediately thought that, like, hey, I like Snowblind better than this because Snowblind was more of a hero's journey than a MacGuffin hunt. And I think a hero's journey is always more interesting than a MacGuffin hunt yeah. um, from a storytelling-wise. So that. that, So there's that. Other like also other than that, I kind of question Raiden's screen time. Like it sort of adds uh, 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 like a motivation for what Ashra is trying to do because her motivation is that she she's a demon, but she wants to be human, and kind of it looks like Raiden is kind of guiding her down this path to doing that. But at the same time, it's like Raiden's role is so small in this movie that other than like fan service, I can't really see a reason why he was in. He this really movie. should have been at the I, end too. It almost. Feels yeah. like they, they cut him out. If he would have been at the end, because he even says in this one scene that he needs to do more research into Johnny Cage, so would it be cool at the end of the movie if Raiden would have actually appeared in front of Johnny Cage as he was about to leave and then said, hey, you know, you're something special. You know you are, but let me, you know, but if you come to this island, you'll find out why. Like kind of like alluding that Raiden is found you know out what? when he needs that to find out. That would be what you didn't like, and yet another further reference to leading up to the tournament. Maybe it would have been better if Raiden just comes and says, hey, you're special. You should, I'm going to help you train, or I'm going to give you somebody to help you train because you might have something uh to live up to in the future, but he doesn't explicitly lead it into the tournament. He just reveals he's going to be a mentor. Yeah. 
Admittedly, it's most it's mostly picky things like that. I think the I think the rushed animation jobs are probably like the main thing about it that I think are probably the worst of them because it it does feel rushed. And I bet if I rewatch the movie, I'll probably find more examples of this. That's just me, but I do feel like this movie, at least for me, because it is it is my favorite character, MK. I still think it's worth buying, and I probably very likely will buy it on 4K Blu-ray. I surprisingly don't own the other three Mortal Kombat movies. Nor do but I. I should. I should. Then again, I should own Snowblind at least, because Snowblind's a better movie. Yeah, I ought to go out and buy Snowblind. Big fans. Because yeah, right. I don't. Well, guess what? I don't even own no, Mortal Kombat. Nothing. I had VHSs of '95 and Annihilation, but they uh, got mold. Uh, at my old shitty apartment from like a long time ago and I never bought them because they're on HBO oh whoops they're not now like literally Snowblind got added to Max a month or two ago and I was gonna go look to see if Johnny Cage is on there of course it's not gonna be yet I wonder if it is now but all the animated movies are gone they took them off and they took off the movies the only movie is the 2021 movie yeah who knows what what's going on over there in- yeah they're fucking got some crazy shit well hey I sold a house I guess I might as well go buy <laughs> All these Mortal Kombat movies. <laughs> <laughs> what an over, what an over, like exaggerated, like you know. I wasn't gonna buy these th- these two three movies, but now that I sold the house, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that now that Josh actually you know has a set amount of income at his disposal, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna buy some MK movies. It's not now. <laughs> really income. It's it's a one time thing. Well, it's disposable. I guess it's still income, it's kind of. Yeah. But yeah, so that. It, at least for the most part, that's kind of like my general thoughts like on Cage Match as far as like the good, the bad. Uh, but again, we've said this probably multiple times throughout this podcast um, so far, but I like this trend. I do. I, I want them I want them to continue making these little like one-off, I guess you could say like filler movies because if anything, they're a great time sink fill for, you know, while we wait for the inevitable Mortal Kombat 2 live action movie to come out, whenever that'll be. I mean, strikes aside, it's still going to take a while for that to come out because <laughs> I don't even know necessarily if they started filming is this Is it optimistic thing. to hope for 2024? I guess it is, isn't it? Maybe 2025. Uh, I think even before the writer and the actor strike, I think that would, I don't think it would have come out next year. Even before the strikes, yeah. it's optimistic? Hmm. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, dude, they haven't even started shooting yet. Remember, when the strikes started happening, like, just That's the right. casting was announced. You're right. So I don't think they really Carver. started production yet. I thought they had started. They had shooting. just went to Australia before the strike. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. So. Yeah, and so what you're going to get, man, is like this is the also other thing that I'm kind of worried about, um, which I think is why it'll take longer. But usually when strikes like this happen, it may potentially inflate the budget of the movie because you got these all these actors signed onto this thing. They're gonna they're basically locked in. They can't really do other work because when there's there is no other work, but that could potentially add to their budget if the contracts have like an indeterminate amount of time that they're on production um, for this stuff. Because that means that they have to renegotiate permit deals with filming in certain locations. They have to do that. They have to fly everybody back out there again um, and set them up for production. So it's things like that. So that's why it could take longer. Part of me worries that it'll be another Batgirl situation. Oh shit! Oh, that would suck. Don't say that, man. Like, I mean, because you know, new man, new you know, leadership at Batgirl was a TV show though, but a whole movie? No, it was a movie. It was a whole. Oh movie. shit! I thought it was a TV show. My bad. Sorry. Was it gonna be in theaters? Yeah. Oh god damn! Oh wow! They really did fuck some people. It over was there. mostly shot, if not all the way shot. I thought it was a TV show. Okay. Mm-mm. Hmm. 
So, yeah, I think before the strike, it was pro. I mean, I would assume it would have came out like 2025. But now I feel like it'd either be late 2025 or 2026. Man, I'm going to be like 50 years old by then. Dude, math. <laughs> Not really. We're going we're gonna to be in our mid-40s, but it's how we Don't see. fucking say it. No, it'll make it true. <laughs> oh. I mean, Jay's already in his mid-40s. Jay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I definitely feel like I'm in my mid-40s just about every day. Why don't you be like Johnny on the cover of this movie, Buy Yourself a Lambo. Actually, Dude. is that a Corvette? I don't know whether it's in the front of the car. <laughs> no, I was, I was, yesterday I was, I went, we went to, uh, me and my brother went to, uh, you, you guys have been to Second and Charles, right? Oh, yeah. I love Second and Charles. Yeah. On our way back, I was driving uh, home randomly for whatever reason, like six or seven Lambos. What the fuck? You know, crossed the road. like, And they were all, like, each one was more ridiculous than the other one. The first one looked like, a, uh, had like a bunch of, like, sports cars like uh race car stickers and stuff the last one was like a gold chrome lambo like what, the what is going on here rich person convention I have no idea where they all <laughs> go into the second and charles to buy like secondhand movies and books no no this is when they were coming back to my neighborhood i was like that's why i was like of all places why are they oh here? and your neighborhood too to boot which is technically near my neighborhood yeah. what's up with that okay <laughs> don't know man weird but anyway I digress. Maybe it was Johnny and his entourage. Oh, uh, he definitely could have been. Yeah. Or maybe it's some Fast and Furious. Uh, do, do, are Lambos part of a street racing scene? Probably not. Uh, I was going to say, maybe there's some Fast no, and Furious but, I things mean, going on. No, but I mean, Roman always Roman always has a Lambo. Of course he does. <laughs> well, yeah. What if I just witnessed a, a, a Fast and Furious heist and do, didn't know it? Do, what if you were actually witnessing the filming of X2 or whatever the next one's going to be called? Oh, man, I didn't even check to see if Dom was in there. Yeah, was Dom in there? But I didn't see a Charger. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Did you see a car going into space? Because, you know... Hey, that's old news, dude. That's said and done. Now we gotta go send a car (laughs) to Outworld. (laughs) Yeah, send a car to Outworld. You gotta go to another dimension now. Yeah. 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 Or the center center of the Earth. No, dude, it's the trend now. Now Fast and Furious needs to go into multiverses. We need, like, alternate universe Dom. Oh, man. We already discussed multiverses is old hat now. Don't do multiverse shit in your fiction, please. (laughs) But you know it's the trend. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it was the trend. They already did the space thing a little too late. Don't don't do the multiverse thing because the space thing, when they did space, you know, cars going into space... It was already kind of an old joke by the time the movie came out. Right. And partly it was because of the pandemic, but still. So. This marks the third. Anyway. Is it the third or fourth time we mentioned the Fast and Furious franchise in this show? We mentioned it quite a bit. Oh, it has to be. It has to be more than that. You mean this episode or in this? Our our whole combat time in general. Oh. Probably. Yeah. Uh, I'm counting at least three, but maybe it was more. Well, dude, oh, it I mean, the, it won't be the last. Don't worry. Of course. Yeah, it won't be the last, dude. I mean, I mean, dude, like we can't help it. It's, it's, you know, in this podcast, it's all about family. I mean, I've never, I haven't never told you yet about my idea for the Mortal Kombat Fast crossover, but I'm not gonna say it now because I know we're probably running on time. But that's gonna, I'm gonna stick that in my pocket for later, waiting for the opportunity. Josh, as long as if you do that, you motherfucker, you better have a reference to Combat Cart from Armageddon. You well, I mean, the whole idea is generally a reference to Combat Cart when you really think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't have a Fast, Furious, Mortal Kombat fan fiction crossover and not have Combat Cart. Right. Like, that's, that's a must. Yeah. Man, I want that game. Full full <laughs> Mortal Kombat Combat Cart game. Don't even make it a side game. Make it a full flagship flagpole game. Tentpole game. 
Yeah. Do what Cruisin' Blast and Cruisin' USA is doing Mortal Kombat. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> but yeah, like basically on that note, like we like we kind of like went on some tangents here like towards the end. But yeah, I think we pretty much said about as much as we need to say about Cage Match, unless you two have any other thoughts about it. I can at least vouch that I don't think I have any you know thoughts on it. It's simple, breezy, beautiful Johnny Cage cover girl type kind of wow. movie and <laughs> um you know, I'll and I'll probably I'll probably buy it most likely, and you know, rewatch it just to see like what I think about it. Maybe like months down the line or something. But yeah, solid entry from WB. I'm I'm excited for the next entry, and that's my thoughts about that movie. What hmm. about you two? Uh, the only thing that I could say is that well, yeah, I agree with you. It was a fast, easy movie, enjoyable. That was fun. Something that happened way 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 early in the in this episode is we were talking about. I think it's when we were talking about Mortal Kombat uh, 1, actually. And I just remembered it again. Is that you said something about uh, flying arrows in the sky or something like that. And my head immediately went to reading Rainbow Song. Oh, my God. And I made a whole thing in my head. Like, something in uh, the sky. How did it go? Flying arrows in the sky. Baraka is twice as high. Oh, my God. Take <laughs> a hit. You're in a pit. Mortal Kombat. Holy shit. <laughs> that's two Baraka that's two Baraka songs we've had now in this uh show, this whole show in general too. <laughs> that's pretty good, you seen. I like that. Appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, Nick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I'm Jay you said you're excited for the next one. Uh as a battle for the realms, I was jaded and not excited for the next one. As of Snowblind, I was exceedingly excited for the next one, but now I'm kind of like just in the middle. I'm not excited, but I'm will still be interested in what they do for the next one. That's where I'm at. I guess I'm kind of in the middle. Which means we absolutely will be reviewing the next one regardless. No shit, Josh is oh, on. Yeah. Is full. yeah, I mean we have to <laughs> for combat time. We still yeah. we're locked in for life. We still one. have to yeah. review Scorpion's Revenge. That kind of came about around or right before we did this podcast. Once we get up sequentially, we'll do a retrospective on that, I guess. Uh, but, you know, yeah, we it, there's a Mortal Kombat thing. We got to talk about it. That's just the rule. That's expected. Yeah, that is the rule. Yeah. Which, oh, oh well, hmm, maybe this should be outside the podcast, but I'm like, we should talk about the Mortal Kombat mobile game that's out now. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe a different episode. Yeah. yeah, that's a different episode. I mean, yeah, man. like, that's should we episode. do an episode on it, I wonder? Do people care uh, about probably it? Probably in the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh that, let us know. In the, let us know in on yeah on the comments send us, social media stuff. If you want to hear us talk about the Mortal Kombat mobile game, at us yeah, at, at us on Twitter at us on Twitter. Send an e- uh, email to our Gmail. No, not Twitter. It's not Twitter, you, man. man. It's X now. Send us a send us a zeet on X and uh, or a yeah, zeet <laughs> email a zeet <laughs> or whatever they're called now. Email us. Send a comment on the episode. Yeah, are you interested in what's the Mortal Kombat mobile game too? Let me uh, make it official. Onslaught. Is that what it's called? Mortal Com. God damn it! I think it's Mortal Kombat Onslaught, right? It probably is. Uh, it, the Google, my Google foo is weak. Yeah, Mortal Kombat Onslaught with a colon. Okay. So if you're interested in Mortal Kombat Onslaught, let us know. If you're not, let us know so we can just skip that. But yeah, I think um, I think that's an episode, guys. I think it is. Yeah. I think it's not a, yeah. 
Not a bad one. So for this one, I talked to Josh briefly, and I have agreed that since this is a Johnny Cage-centric episode, that I would do the outro this time. And so I'm going to do that. And Josh, I need your participation. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I have a a question for you, Josh. So pretty simple one. Okay. Have you seen Speed? Of course. Like the movie We watched it together like a few years back. Yes. Yes. We watched it, I should say. Make sure your memory's good. Just making sure your memory's good. So, in Speed, towards the end of the movie, or really throughout the movie, what is your favorite thing that Dennis Hopper does in that movie, Josh? Uh, Cackles maniacally? No, no, no. But what does he always say to Keanu Reeves' care? Pop quiz, hot shot. Yeah, pop quiz, hot shot. So, I want you to do a Dennis Hopper pop quiz, hot shot impression of something, like, right now. Okay, but I got to make up the question. Okay. I'll just do what Speed does. Pop Pop shit. Pop quiz, hot shot. There's a bomb on a bus going 50 miles an hour. If it goes below it, it's going to blow up. What do you do? What do you do? Well, what would Johnny Cage do? Damn. <laughs> oh, <my> God. <laughs> Outstanding. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Combat Time Pod. And visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Combat Time Podcast. You can also email us at combattimepodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions you'd like us to answer on the show. See you next time. Mortal Kombat continues. Get over here!